It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcasting Network. I am your host, Zach Goodall. Be sure to throw me a follow on Twitter, at Zach underscore Goodall. You can follow my co-host, Chris Thornton, at Misto Christopho, as well as the Locked On Jaguars handle, at Locked On Jaguars. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Uh, you know, working a double, but now we're talking football, so that's all that really matters. It makes your day so much better, so much better, <laughs> just getting, getting, getting off of work and getting to come talk about football. And we got a lot to talk about tonight with, um, obviously, the Jaguars and the news they've had over the past couple of days has kind of been the highlight. But now they have touchdown in Minnesota, getting ready for these joint practices. They do at least one joint practice every year. This year it is with the Minnesota Vikings, a la, as Chris likes to say, the Jaguars of the West in a way, which we're going to loop back around to. But first we're going to get some insight on the Vikings, get you know, a little preparation for these joint practices and the game with Vikings expert Jordan Reed. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? Good, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Go ahead and, um, you know, give the audience a little plug as to where they can find some of your work, some of the stuff you do. Yeah, so you can find my work over at climbingthepocket.com. It's a website I started uh, by myself and with some of my other friends as well. And we've built that website up and it's grown over the past two years and it's something that i'm tremendously excited about also you can find some of my writing over at inside as well be sure to check that out i follow jordan for a lot of stuff uh, relating to the nfl draft he's a guy that knows a lot of his stuff not only just with the vikings and the nfl as a whole but specifically going into draft season always watching his account for a lot of the stuff he's putting up but tonight we're going to focus in on his Vikings knowledge uh, with these joint practices starting up. What's got you most excited for these practices when the Jaguars come into town, bring their obviously very talented defense, much like how the Vikings offer one of their own? Uh, any particular matchups you're really looking forward to, stuff like that? Well, first and foremost, I was really disappointed to see Jalen Ramsey not coming. He was suspended, unfortunately, and I was really looking forward to the matchup between him and Stephon Diggs. Both of those guys have alpha type of personalities, and I'm sure that we're really going to be going back and forth throughout the joint practices, so unfortunately we won't be able to see that. But another matchup I'm really looking forward to is Adam Thielen and A.J. Bouye now. Both of those guys are considered some of the top players at that position, so that wide receiver cornerback battle is something that I'm really looking forward to. Also, I want to see how this mediocre offensive line, Vikings offensive line adjusts to this ferocious Jaguars defensive line. So those are just some of the key matchups that I will be paying really close attention to. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask about that offensive line. That that seemed to be probably one of the weaker points on the Vikings last year. And uh, definitely uh, Jags fans can know what a weak offensive line can do. Now they have a pretty decent one. Uh, I might even say good, depending on how everything kind of pans out and they gel. But uh, you guys lose Dalvin Cook early last year, and then you get him back for camp. And from what I've seen and heard, he seems to be more explosive than ever and uh, just kind of looking better than what he did last year. So how exciting is that to get a guy like Cook back into the offense? 
it's very exciting, and it's essentially like you're getting a, another rookie in this really good class so far because we only had him for really three and a half games last year. He went down in the third quarter of the fourth game against the Detroit Detroit Lions last year. So it's really like you're getting another top pick in this draft class, and what we've seen so far from him, you get the reports about him not having the knee brace on and he's fully recovered from this torn ACL that he suffered last year so it's really good to see him back and he's really going to be an explosive weapon now added to this explosive offense with Diggs Thielen, Kyle Rudolph and then signing Kirk Cousins this offseason so there's a lot of buzz about him in Minnesota and everyone thinks that he can be a franchise centerpiece of this offense he's a three down back and we're really excited to have him back. Now, you mentioned that Dalvin could essentially be another part of this rookie class, considering that he missed the majority of last year with the ACL tear. And that brings me to the rookies that you guys brought in. Uh, first round pick being one of my guys in Mike Hughes out of UCF National Champions. But um, besides just not just Hughes, but the class itself, how important do you think that these types of practices are for them? And kind of give us a look into how the rookie class has been performing so far during camp. I think they're really big because this draft class was really about building depth because Minnesota's roster is so loaded they really don't have any spots open for guys to come in and contribute immediately so you get a guy like Mike Hughes to compete for that nickel spot with Mackenzie Alexander and hopefully being your third or fourth corner on the depth chart right now he probably won't start because they have so many guys and Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes those are going to be your top two guys and Terrence Newman I don't think they really expect much from him this year because he is a million years a million years <laughs> old as you guys know so <laughs> they're not really he's more of a coach slash player at this point in his career and he's been around Mike Zimmer so long he's really teaching those techniques to the younger guys like Mackenzie Alexander and and Mike Hughes at this point but it's been a really good battle going on between Alexander and um, uh, Mike Hughes right now for that nickel corner spot and a lot of reports right now are saying that Mike Hughes has been working with the first team, which has been really been surprising to a lot of people. Mike Zimmer came out and said today that he looks phenomenal, and that's something that Mike Zimmer has never done in his entire tenure in Minnesota. He's very conservative and laid back with his comments about incoming rookies, and he's just been glowing and saying so much good things about Mike Hughes. So it just seems like a matter of time before he overcomes and takes McKenzie Alexander's spot at that nickel spot. So we're really excited about Mike Hughes, another guy, a lot of people are excited about is the second round pick and right tackle Brian O'Neill. Um, I think he should redshirt this year, but he looked really good against the Denver Broncos last week. And we all know Minnesota is desperately in need of help at the offensive line spot. So just getting a promising prospect like Brian O'Neill right now would be really good. And the reviews have been really great about him in practices as well. So going against that ferocious Jaguars defensive line, I think is going to be huge for and uh, you mentioned uh, Brian O'Neill. I was going to bring him up as well because, like you said, offensive line help was uh, desperately needed. You also got a get. You guys also got somebody later in the draft who I thought was uh, a little bit better than where he got drafted, but obviously he's probably going to be a project. And uh, Colby Gossett or Gossett from Appalachian State uh, has he really done anything? Because I know he was drafted late. Uh, I don't know if maybe he's kind of snuck his way up the depth chart or not. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was really high on Gossett coming into the draft. I thought he probably could sneak into that fourth or fifth round range, but he ended up going in the sixth round, and I thought he 
he definitely should have went higher than that. But he really hasn't stood out any in practices, and he's been banged up quite a bit too. So we're still waiting on him to show up and flash at this point. But right now, he just hasn't shown up as much as I thought he would, and he didn't even play last week against the Broncos as well. So hopefully he'll get back this week, and he'll be able to show some flashes. Now, there's a lot more to talk about with this team. Uh, you mentioned some of the stars on defense. You mentioned Kirk Cousins, and I think those are kind of guys that we'll want to dive into when we talk about the game. But before we move on to our next segment, I just kind of wanted to ask, what do you think will be the most important thing for this team coming out of these joint practices, as well as you know, Coach Zimmer came out and said he really is not looking forward to any type of fighting. We have talked about the Ramsey and Fowler suspensions from that fighting incident here in Jacksonville. Are there any guys that you think offer that type of chippy attitude that couldn't really mesh too well in these joint practices that, you know, people might want to keep an eye on? Um, I think one guy is definitely Xavier Rhodes. I think we've seen, he can be a bit of a hothead at time to time from time to time. We saw it when he was going against Odell Beckham last year and we saw how, he did that battle guy, and I definitely could see mm-hmm. that happening just because he's a guy that has a dominant personality as well, and he's not scared to exuberate that confidence when he is shutting a guy down similar to a, J- a Jalen Ramsey. So both of those guys really have that alpha or dominant personality like a cornerback should have. So Xavier Rose is definitely one guy to keep an eye on. Now – We will be discussing a little bit more of the game when we come back. Uh, We haven't touched on him yet, but Kirk Cousins is definitely a subject that we need to focus in on as we focus in on this Vikings team. So when we come back, we'll get to just that. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Jaguars fans. The NFL season is right around the corner. This season, don't sit around watching the Jaguars from home when you can be at TIAA Bank Field cheering in person thanks to Vivid Seats. They offer great prices for NFL games and all live events, and Vivid Seats is offering Locked On Jaguars listeners 10% off your first ticket order when you use our exclusive promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all one word. This is for new customers only and good through the end of August. Preseason and regular season tickets are available right now. The Jaguars kick off their home schedule September 16th against the New England Patriots, and you can be there for all the excitement. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Go to VividSeats.com or download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for 10% off your first order. The offseason is over, the NFL is back, and Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. All right, so the Jaguars and Vikings are scheduled to kick off at 1 o'clock on national TV on Saturday. Weird timing for a preseason game, but it's national, and Jacksonville fans are just getting used to this national buzz type of feel. The Vikings are a little more you know, known in that type of atmosphere, but for Jacksonville fans, they're really excited about this. Uh, another thing that Jacksonville fans were at one point excited about was the idea of Kirk Cousins. After he left Washington and was a free agent, there were rumors that there could be 
potential interest coming from Jacksonville. That didn't end up panning out. They ended up giving Blake Bortles an extension and Cousins went on to sign a three-year, what was it, $91 million fully guaranteed deal with Minnesota to be their signal caller, replacing Case Keenum, trying to get them over that hump of okay quarterback play. Pretty flashy from Keenum, but they wanted a guy that was consistent. So what's been the impression of Kirk Cousins so far, um, and how big of a test is this for him going into just his second time in full pads with this Vikings team against another team, albeit being the preseason? Well, he's been really outstanding so far. He's impressed me a ton because I really didn't know a whole lot about Kirk Cousins from his time in Washington because I'm not a Redskins fan, so I'm just a fan spectating from the outside. But just diving into his personality a bit more and his film a little bit more. He's very impressive. Now, he's not an elite quarterback like the Russell Wilsons or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady's or guys of that stature. But if you're talking about a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the NFL, I definitely think he is that type of guy. Now, he's not a guy that's going to uplift the surroundings around him. He goes as a supporting cast goes. And I've always been of the belief that if you, you build a situation where Kirk Cousins could be that final piece, I think he can be a very successful quarterback for you. And that's exactly what he is in Minnesota. Minnesota has weapons on the perimeter. They have two of the top wide receivers in the NFL. And then you add Dalvin back into that mold with Latavius Murray and Kyle Rudolph, I think he really could be that missing piece. Now, flipping. Which is really what they lack. Which is really what they lack with Case Keenum last year, which is why they went out and got Kirk Cousins. Now, flipping to the opposite side of the ball, you guys have uh, you guys just signed him to big money, uh, Daniel Hunter, uh, to that big contract, very well deserved, very underrated, probably one of the most underrated pass rushers in this league. Uh, and like him, the Jaguars have a guy in Unique Ngakwe who, uh, in a similar aspect to me, is uh, very underrated in the league and will probably get a contract very similar to Hunter. Uh, so how has Hunter looked in camp ever since he's kind of gotten the contract? I know it's kind of hard to tell in at least practices, but uh, I never really got to see the Vikings' first preseason game. So how has Hunter looked so far since signing that big contract? He's been fine. Phenomenal, man. I think the world of Daniel Hunter. I think he's just scratching the surface of how good he really can be. Only 23 years old. He's already been in the league three years. So that just goes to show you how fast his upward trajectory has been for his career to this point. And I think he's going to be really good. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a 12-plus sack type of defensive end for them this year. And I'm just really excited about his future. Now, this Vikings defense is so star-studded, and like you said, it's going to be hard for guys to come up and compete for starting roles like what Jaguars fans have seen this year in comparison to years past for sure. But are there any under-the-radar guys, not even as much the rookie in Mike Hughes, but under-the-radar guys that you could really see carving out that type of you know secondary role almost in this defense? It's still a major contributor. I look at it one way with Jacksonville as Dante Fowler. While he was obviously the third overall pick, he doesn't have the third overall pick type of role. He is a backup. He had 44% of the snaps last year, but he still had a solid role with this team. Do you think there are any guys that could kind of step into that role for the Vikings this year? Yeah, so there's one to keep in mind, and his name is Jaleel Johnson. He's a defensive tackle from Iowa. He was the team's third-round pick last year in 2017. They didn't really play him a ton last year, but he played a lot towards the latter half of the year, especially – in the playoffs, that's really where he started to get a bunch of snaps. But I think he's 
going to be that backup three technique behind Sheldon Richardson. And they played him a little bit at one technique behind Linval Joseph as well. So I think he's going to be that first interior defensive lineman off the bench whenever those guys need a breaker, they need a sub or something like that. So keep an eye on Jaleel Johnson. I think he's in for a big season as a backup guy behind Sheldon Richardson and Linval Joseph. So coming up uh, for this week's game, who, uh, give me a list of three players. Uh, I, I'll just say for either side of the ball. Uh, that you're really looking forward to in this game? That's a great question. Um, one of them definitely will be Taven Bryant, just because I liked him pre-draft, but he's obviously not going to start on that loaded defensive line, but I just want to see how he does and how he's adjusting to the NFL because it was a bit raw coming into the NFL, but he really has some flashes, and his flashes are really great. I think he's going to be a good player down the road, but he's just in a star step the defensive line room right now to where he can't really shine. But Taven Bryan is definitely one guy. Kirk Cousins is obviously another. I want to see if he continues to look as sharp as he did last week. And another guy is I want to see if Stefan Diggs continues to show that that elite wide receiver traits that he's been exuberating over the past few seasons. And I just want to see if he can continue that against this really tough Jaguar secondary. Now, when people look at preseason games, and this can be our last segment, uh, last part of this segment before we move on, people look at preseason games and they're obviously excited to see the starters. In week one, you might see them for a drive. In week two, you might see them for like two or three drives. Week three, seeing them the most, and then maybe not at all week four. So it really gets important to watch this depth as well. You can't ever make a prediction about like how a preseason games going to go because you just really aren't completely sure as to what both teams offer depth wise. But how do you feel that this, the depth of this Minnesota Vikings team will perform when on the field? Obviously it's hard to compare at all to the starting unit, but I look at Jacksonville's and I see a really solid amount of depth they've got across the roster in comparison to years past, especially, do you think the Vikings kind of pair up with that? Also having some solid depth, or is that more of a concern for this team going forward? I think the depth is really good everywhere except the offensive line. And that's been the Vikings MO and their Achilles heel since the Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer era. The offensive line just hasn't been one of the strengths on their roster and they just haven't put a lot of emphasis on it with high draft picks and that's not to say that they haven't hit on any offensive line picks because Pat Elfline did have a very successful year last year and they signed Riley Reef and Mike Rimmers as well but beyond those spots there just really isn't a lot of depth and that's an area where I think the Jaguars can really expose the Vikings because they have a lot of depth on that defensive front. All right. Well, then that'll just about do it for, you know, our coverage of the game and the practice and stuff. But when we come back, as we said at the start of the show, Chris has often compared Minnesota kind of being like the Jaguars of the West in terms of how they've been built from the ground up. So we're going to kind of dive into that comparison when we come back from this break. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Alright, so when we're looking at the Vikings and the Jaguars, just kind of their come up of the last few years, uh, in some aspects, when I think of the Vikings, it kind of really reminds me of the Jaguars, uh, whether it be uh, strong, uh, well-built defense, uh, defense for either side, really kind of focused from the defensive line up. Uh, and then you get guys like uh, Daniil Hunter and Yannick Ngakwe as kind of mirror pieces of underage or uh, underrated young defensive ends who Hunter just got paid. And I, like I said, I expect Ngakwe to get paid similarly, or at least he should. Uh, but just from your perspective on the outside, because I'm sure in the last, uh, at least in the last year, but you being kind of a draft guy, you probably know at least more about all the teams in the NFL compared to other guys. How do the Jaguars kind of look to you kind of as an outside perspective since we're kind of biased being fans of the team how do the Jaguars look to you they look really good to me outside of the quarterback position I'll go ahead and tell you guys I'm not a huge fan of Blake Bortles but the thing that I understand about the Jaguars is that Blake Bortles is perfect for what they're trying to do and what I mean by that is they're going to play hard-nosed defense and they want to run the football and Blake Bortles is very efficient in the red zone he's really good from well I will say he's not very good from 20 to 20 but when you get in the red zone that's where he's really efficient and that's all that they ask of Blake Bortles so his fit is really perfect on this team but he really got exposed in the AFC championship game because when he was asked to make plays he just wasn't able to do it and that's not this that's not to say that he played poorly in that game because I thought he played somewhat okay but when he's asked to uplift his team and just make plays he's not able to do that but everyone knows that the MO of the Jaguars is that they're gonna play hard, tough-nosed defense, and they want to hand the ball to Leonard Fournette and all those backs that they do have. But I think they really have a good recipe for success because that's just what Coach Marone wants to instill in this team. That's always what he's been like, and he's going to stick to his philosophy. So Mm -hmm. I I think they could be right back in the situation that they were in last year, and I think they're a team that can get to the Super Bowl as long as Blake Bortles continues to maximize his role and what he's asked to do, and that defense continues to perform form really well so the Jaguars are definitely a great team and I really respect them because of how well they've been built now you we've talked about Dalvin Cook and even though this is truly his first real year after his injury he's heading into his second year so is Leonard Fournette who you just mentioned the Jaguars bell cow their prized possession on this offense and he's got a lot of mixed reviews um some deservedly so People don't like his style of running in comparison to what's utilized so well in today's NFL, especially with the passing game being so heavily valued. But kind of in a vacuum, give us your take on how you thought Fournette performed his first year and kind of like where you could see some growth in his second year or, you know, if he's all that Jaguar sort of makes him out to be or if he's more what dare I say it, maybe PFF Twitter will try and make them out to be because there doesn't seem to be too much of an even ground. (laughs) Right. And I think where a lot of people get confused about Leonard Fournette, they want him to be the Le'Veon Bell or Ty Gurley type of running back. And that's just not what he is. Now he can be a receiver at the backfield. I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. And he got knocked about that a lot at LSU just because he didn't have the stats to back it up, but he's not a guy just is obsolete when it comes to receiving out the backfield he is able to do that he's shown to be able to be flexed out at wide in the slot and even be a threat in that situation but that's just the type of offense that the Jaguars really don't 
want to run. They want to run or get in those heavy sets to where they can just play what I call bully ball, or where they just want to lay on opposing defenses and just grind it out, grind out the clock. But if Leonard Fournette is asked to be in those situations like a Ty Gurley or a Le'Veon Bell, I think he's able to do that. Now, he's not going to put up the numbers that they do have as pass catchers because he's not going to be in those situations like that. But if you just ask him to play in his particular role, and that's to play between the tackles and grind out the game, I think he's perfect for that, and that's exactly what the Jaguars want to do. So I'm a huge Leonard Fournette fan, and I just think he gets a bad rap because they want him to be something he's not. Yeah, that's uh, definitely something. That, I mean, uh, Zach wrote a pretty lengthy article on because people always kind of knock his yards per carry uh, when that just doesn't paint the accurate picture of what Fournette does for this uh, Jaguars offense. But uh, the Jaguars added Andrew Norwell, which I thought was uh, it was a move that I wanted them to do for months, but I didn't think they would actually do it. Uh, so beefing up that offensive line was obviously a big thing for the Jags, kind of focusing around that run game. But one of the biggest moves that I think was really intriguing is the Jaguars drafting wide receiver DJ Chark. Uh, I didn't think they were going to go wide receiver that early. It definitely didn't seem like something through the entire draft process that I thought they would prioritize. Uh, but just give me a little bit of, uh, I guess, some of your knowledge, some of your draft knowledge of how you uh, – what you thought of DJ Chark and uh, whether you like or don't like his fit in Jacksonville. Yeah. So I actually had a third round grade on him. I believe they ended up taking him in the second round. So overall, I like the fit because he's a guy that can take the top off of defense. He's a vertical threat. That's what it was known for at LSU. And you talk about a team that's known for grinding out the clock, running the ball and have very heavy sets, but they can catch you off guard with a lot of play out action fakes and stuff of that sort so where they can get DJ Chark in the open field and surprise the defenses off of those play action fakes when you get him over the top over the middle or on the sideline so I really like the fit because I think he can maximize his role and what he's asked to do in that offense now is he going to be a guy that can lead a wide receiver core and be a wide receiver one no I don't think he's ever going to be that guy but if you ask him to play that Ted Ginn type of role and be that number two or number three wide receiver that's mainly a vertical threat I think he's going to fit in perfectly. Now we can finish it up right after this. I was I was doing a show with a guy um, in Minnesota. He's a buddy of mine. I was on his podcast earlier today, actually, and we were kind of talking about the same thing about the buildup of the Vikings and the buildup of the Jaguars being similar. And I'm not sure because I haven't studied it as in depth as I have with the Jaguars, but the Jaguars do have John Idzik in house, and he's been their cap specialist for the past couple of years. The way he handles the crafting of contracts and the way that players are paid out very early to get their guarantees out of the way, essentially to be able to avoid going into a cap hell like this team has been in before by overpaying guys. It's been very crafty, and I'd say it's been very genius. The Jaguars right now, after paying Norwell, after paying Boye, Campbell, all these guys are currently sitting at, I think, $18 million in cap space and have the ability this year to cut some guys and lose zero money and keep building cap space. The Vikings, as of right now, their cap table looks to be at, in 2019, sitting around nearly $6 million. And whether it's the Kirk Cousins deal that kind of ties them down with it being fully guaranteed, I'm not 100% sure. But how do you think that this is going to play out for this team's future if they say weren't to win the Super Bowl this year and still had pieces that they needed to add. 
Do you think that this could end up tying them down or do they have a plan in place to be able to elongate this window of theirs? I think they'll be fine. Their cap guy, Robert Zinski, does a really good job of setting money early in contracts. What he does, he front loads contracts and gives guys a lot of guarantees early on. So on the back end or the final two years of guys' deals, he can basically cut them up and spread out those guarantees even more and give the team more cap flexibility. And the the Vikings can already redo deals like Kyle Rudolph, Everson Griffin, Harrison Smith, and a host of other guys as well. So I think they'll be fine financially, but this, this team is set up for success for a very long time. That sounds perfect. And we are excited, I'm sure, just as you are, to see these two teams, as I like to say it, iron sharpening iron this week in the joint practices, as well as the week two preseason game, which everyone can catch Uh, I forget exactly what channel it'll be on, but it is on national uh, Saturday at one o'clock Eastern time. Jordan, want to really thank you for coming on the show today, giving us some insight into the Vikings, as well as obviously your opinion on the Jaguars, Uh, your opinion on Leonard Fournette uh, makes me very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. And you guys can be sure to follow Jordan on Twitter at JReedNFL, as well as myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Chris at Misto Cristofo, and the Locked On Jaguars handle at Locked On Jaguars. We got some more content coming your way this week. Be sure to check out the site, LockedOnJaguars.com. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. We are there, and we will catch up with you guys later. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.